Hi, my name is Sam McClure, and you are listening to the Premier League Nightclub. Charmin, he's done it! Four! Aguero! everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub podcast. My name is Damon and with me I have Woody and of course this podcast in season three is still brought to you by Arrow Sport, the number one kit maker in the business. And Woody, I know it's the first episode of season three and we're, we're super excited. Uh, but during the off season, when, an a- when a person in the AFL industry tweets about the Premier League or anything remotely close to the round ball game, they instantly get headhunted from the Premier League nightclub and we've done it again today. So firstly, I just wanted to introduce Sam McClure. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> hey, Damon. Hey, Woody. Yeah, well, usually what happens is I tweet about something to do with, with football, you know, the real football. And then, you know, everyone comes at me being like, maybe stick to AFL, mate. But I actually followed soccer much closely, much more closely than I did footy for a while. I was probably on par, but I was obsessed for a long time. Um, anyway, I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, it's actually quite interesting, <laughs> just, just to touch on what Damon said, do you find that it's almost like following the round ball game in such a, um, I guess, football-dominated industry, it, it's almost like escapism in a way to almost escape your job, that you can follow a oh. sport that isn't highly regulated in Australia? 100%. Yeah, definitely. And it was even an escape for me before I started working, to be honest. Like, when I was studying journalism, um, and you know, I'm sure you guys know what uni life is like and you know getting home from a night out or whatever and there'd just be a game on and i was just it was just nice you could sit back half concentrate on it you know half not and it was yeah it was that word it was an escape um and then the last the last year of like really committing back to this sort of like two two year hiatus when optus originally took over and i didn't follow it as, as as closely because i just it was too hard to get optus before like smart tvs had apps um it's been great. It's been great getting back into it, you know? And like, if, um, if Carlton are getting smashed halfway through the third quarter of a Saturday night game, which is fairly usual, um, I can turn over and, and, and watch something else. And it's, it's such a passionate sport. Right. And I think, um, you know, the coverage of it in Britain is really interesting as well from my point journalistically. So yeah, I, I love it. I've never been an American sports guy. It's not that I don't like him. I just never, I never bought into it from a young age. A lot of my close friends are NBA um, and I've got a couple who are NFL um, and I really enjoy watching the NBA, watch the playoffs. I've you know, gone to see Simmons play for the 76ers um, in Philly, which is great. But yeah, the Premier League for me is, is number one. I think it's quite funny because you hear on like AFL uh, broadcasts all the time, like, oh, Scott Brennan, basketball background, Sam Draper, soccer background. And like, I think the Sam Draper one's almost unique. Like you hear so many people that are referred to as a basketball background. And yeah. it's not very often that you hear like a round ball game uh, inclusion. And it's something that we buy for as well is, is, is AFL players publicly uh, not being afraid to include a bit more round ball reference uh, into the game to, to bring a bit more diversity, especially the broadcasting as well, because it can get a bit stale just hearing the same thing about basketball and American sports, just like 24-7 filtered into the broadcast. So I, I don't know, like I think from that perspective, we're definitely on the same track. We, we want more people following soccer than we do American sports because we see so much of it broadcasted anyway. Yeah, and I guess, you know, to some degree, it's a little sad what's happened to the A-League, right? You know, like I jumped on the victory from their first season and I remember going to that Adelaide United grand final um, at 
you know, what was then, then Eddie had. And it was like 50,000, absolutely packed. Um, what do we win that game? Like five or six nil. Anyway, um, like it was, it was awesome. And I just thought if the A-League's starting like this, you know, in 10 years, it's going to be, it's going to be three times bigger. And it's unfortunate it's gone the other way. Um, but that's probably only, you know, increased my love of the Premier League because we just haven't quite got the marketplace right here in, in Australia. So yeah, whenever it is, I do watch football. I watch, I watch the Premier League or, you know, it's for the Euros. If there's, if there's good internationals on, I'll watch as well. Um, although international football's you know, fair, played a fair bit differently. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for the Premier League to start. Crystal Palace on Sunday, Lukaku about to sign. Finally, we have a striker. Um, I'm I'm pumped. <laughs> I I was just about to say um, we might take a, a step back from like delving into this Premier League stuff because we will go on about it for for a while, I'm sure. But I just wanted to firstly um, touch on say what what have you been doing in in recent times? Only because the last we heard from you outside of you know like tweeting about footy and stuff was probably um, you obviously went on to the Dylan Friends podcast, which I know Woody and I listened to, which was awesome, and that was probably bit more peak COVID, although we're sort of back in it again. But yeah, just generally, what have you been up to recently? Yeah, well, sort of after, um, you know, Dill asked me to come, to come on and, and um, I've known him a, a fair bit and, and he's known, um, you know, my older sister for a while because they worked together for a bit. So I just decided to do it. And like, you know, you know it's a podcast that's um, obviously gathered such a big following. Um, so I was sort of, you know, felt really privileged to go on it. And, and I was also at a point in my life where I think I really wanted to like explain my perspective of journalism, particularly in sport, mm-hmm. because I think it's really misunderstood. And then after that, there was like quite a, a substantial reaction. Um, so I just decided to take a break from, from podcasts. Um, I'm like a massive believer, you know, like what you guys have done, you know, if you're brave enough and courageous enough to start your own podcast in a niche, you know, in a niche area like you guys have with, you know, Premier League in Australia. I, I, I think it's incumbent on us in the media to support that when we can. Um, having said that, I just, yeah, I just went, went through a six-month period where I just needed to take a break and I didn't want to be the guy on every podcast preaching about <laughs> media, you know. So um, when this opportunity came up and we could talk about something um, other than that for the large portion of it, I thought, why not? Um, and I'm, a, you know, a massive... Premier League lover, but yeah, it's been a, um, it's been an interesting few months. Like obviously with COVID um, I'm lucky because I haven't been affected that much. Um, I still get to go into the studio and do my radio show and TV run when I'm required, but you know, like I can work from right here on the table writing. Um, and it's obviously been a, a few big stories in footy in the last month or so. Um, so I've just kind of been keeping my head down and trying not to have it blown off. Well, I think, <laughs> Like uh, I guess you probably face a scrutiny um, so much, and like going on going on a forum like Dylan Friends, you sort of get your message out to a, you know, such a, a broad scale of, of people. But then you also almost invite feedback, whether that be positive or negative, by Definitely. going to yep. that step. Um, so like, what do you do aside from I don't know watching watching Premier League? But what do you do aside from like escape from, I guess the the criticisms and and the 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 football forum. Yeah, well, I mean, it was exercise for a long time. It's sort of been halted a little bit with COVID. Um, I have a gym down the road from, from my place in Richmond that I've been going to for the last five or six years um, that is a really good escape for me first thing in the morning because I usually work nights. Um, so, yeah, it was that and running for a while. I've sort of given up on running. I sort of cracked the shits a couple of months ago and was like, I actually hate this, so I'm going to stop for a while. I'm sure I'll go back to it. But um, And then, uh, yeah, I've got like I'm a – um, I'm a 
bit of a rev head bogan. So I, I just sort of um, like taking my motorbike out for, for rides within our, within our five Ks when we have to. Um, and I've recently, much to the chagrin of my partner, um, recently got into gaming um, oh, back in a big way. So I'm, I'm hugely into Warzone um, currently. <laughs> we, um, we have a little squad that the, a couple of the producers um, of Footy Classified um, Luca and Mitch are like, well, Luca's really good. Like he's almost too good. He takes it a little bit too seriously for for us. Um, and Mitch and I are sort of, well, I'm much better than Mitch now, but we don't take it as seriously. Um, so yeah, they're my escapes when I'm not when I'm not watching footy and I'm not um, and I'm not writing about it or talking about it. They're they're the things that I go to to sort of um, stay level. <laughs> oh, just open Pandora's box here, Sam. Like I thought, uh, I might. Have, mention- I thought with a gaming yeah. chair in the background and the battleship. Oh yeah, no. Oh, geez. we're gonna have to hold ourselves back here, Woody, from talking about Warzone yeah, for an hour. <laughs> oh wow, we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to play then. We'll, we'll exchange uh, yeah, Activision yeah. ideas. Yes. No, I'm Xbox. Matter. Don't don't judge me for it. No, no, no we're, we're Xbox, Xbox as well. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I bought a um, I bought an Xbox One years ago and um i thought it was like the greatest thing of all time this is when i was still living at home this must be like eight years ago nine years ago um and then it sort of sat in the shelf for ages and then it was only really the lockdown last year i was like mm-hmm. screw this i'm getting this thing back out i sort of like had a little little surgery on the internet what's everyone playing um and i was i was hugely into cod like growing up like as a yeah. teenager but i mean you know, it was ne- it, yeah but it was it was not as much a multiplayer thing like that probably came i don't know it was like you know 2008 or 9 or something but i was always just yeah. like a you know play the the campaigns and now it's um yeah it's warzone all the way it's a lifestyle <laughs> it's a lifestyle yeah yeah are you a big fifa fan or not really into that so yeah again like was a fully obsessed with it would play yeah. hours a day during school holidays and all that sort of stuff um then i reckon the game started to to not be great. I'm not I'm not sure from which no, year. Agreed. I reckon was it like FIFA 16 was like the last really good yeah. version. I feel like. Yeah. Having said that, I haven't played like any of the last two or three. Um, at some point, when Warzone falls off a cliff, which you know they all have an expiry date, I'll probably get back into FIFA. Yeah. No, it sounds perfect. We're oh. looking for a few extra pro clubs players. So, um, like Sweet. if you ever if you ever willing to to sit through you know probably three hours of shit talk. Um, <laughs> and be willing to be berated like just for doing nothing if you um, make a mistake yeah <laughs> so so i assume you guys played soccer growing up uh, nick, 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 nick looks like a like a sort of a, a smaller center back and Damon looks <laughs> like a, a flaky left winger am i am i, am I on the I mark was, i was flaky right winger so close enough to play that <laughs> <laughs> um, I I actually did play centre back as kids. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but then I think I think I stopped growing it around um, ten, uh, and then everyone else progressed pretty quickly, and so I sort of had to give it up. And I, I took up futsal, so futsal was my calling. Um, nice. Because everyone in futsal is like a little nugget, and you yeah. know I'm like I'm a maple, so you know that, that's that's pretty much my game. Don't have to jump. Yep. Don't have to use my head. Um, yeah. Do you play, do you play sport growing up? Surely. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sport and me, which is the only thing I did and drove my parents absolutely mad. Um, so it was, yeah, it was cricket in the summer. Um, and then it was, 
Well, you couldn't play, it got to a point at school where you couldn't play soccer and footy. Um, yeah. You know, you can only play one. So I sort of had to pick footy because I was half decent at footy, but I was, I loved soccer and I was a, I was a goalkeeper. Same, same in water polo. Yeah. I was always a, a goalkeeper. Um, and yeah, probably similar to you, Woody. I, but maybe I'm a little bit taller. I, I was like, I was probably 6'2 when I was 12. Yeah, okay. And stop growing at like 13. Yeah. And so like at that, like a 13-year-old, I was going to be like a good Brunch. goalkeeper with like a huge arms man. Um, and then it just got to a point where I played a little bit of rep soccer and then I did a really bad injury um, where I basically like tore all the ligaments in my left hand, saving a ball with an open palm oh. instead of a fist. Um, and that was, kind of, that was kind of it. And I was like, I'm just going to concentrate on footy. Um, but yeah, I've been saying to my friends for years, if there's some little indoor soccer or futsal competition on a Wednesday night that I can get to, I'm in. <laughs> mate, it sounds like, sounds like, mate, you're basically part of the FIFA team. You're part of the futsal team now as well. So yeah, I'm going to have to stop Woody. I'm going to have to stop Woody from inviting you every week to come play. But, um, <laughs> no, do it. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Whenever we let out of this godforsaken lockdown, I'm in. Sweet. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So let's get stuck into some uh, Premier League talk just a little bit um, and how you fell in love with soccer. You've spoken that you did love it, but did that um, passion stem from anywhere? And, and were you a Chelsea fan straight away? Yeah. So I was always Chelsea. So um, growing up in my household, you could only barrack for Carlton in the AFL because that's what that's who dad barracked for. And then he lived, he was a, a journal in, in London for the best part of a decade. Um, and he lived in West London. I think this is back in the day before it was like, you know, the really snazzy part of London that it is now. And, you know, he saw a team that was in West, based in West London um, called the Blues, and that was kind of it. So he brought that back to me. So I was always Chelsea from a young age. Um, but we were, we were really average when I started. Felt like it was like Dennis Wise, mid-table. Um, and Den- like Wise was my favourite player. And then, um, and then it was Lampard and like, you know, Abramovich taking over. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, like we're really good now. Um, and so I was thinking about it today because I was I was putting together like predictions for top six, um, and like you know Chelsea have actually got a decent squad now, but the squad that they had peak Mourinho days, whereas basically like they had two world class players in every position. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like that's my best memory of of um, of watching Premier League. So that's kind of how it started, and. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to have Fox Sports on the TV when I was young because dad had to have it for work. So it was like when the footy was over, it was turn over to what's happening in England. And yeah, I watched heaps of it. I think growing up, like you sort of saw the best and worst of Chelsea. So when, like, I just briefly want to talk about this Abramovich era and the takeover. As a fan, um, did you feel as if that was almost, um, obviously it was a turning point for Chelsea as a club, but do you feel as if it changed your perspective on the game at all, considering the injection of money that came in? And it just wasn't sort of a small club anymore from humble beginnings. Yeah. You know, you sort of get that quick rise to fame. Yeah, I didn't like it initially. And there's still parts of it I don't really like. Um, and I hate when people say, like in the mid-2000s, that we bought the league. Because you can't really buy the league. And you certainly can't buy the Champions League over 38 games. And like Man City have kind of half-proven that. Um you know, you need a lot more. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of what money's done to the game. You know, I've been on record the last couple of days of saying, I, you know, I hate that Messi's gone to PSG. Um, mm-hmm. I hate that we've got a French football club that's owned by another country's government. Um, and there's basically an endless pit of 
bit of cash. Sorry, this um, this atrium next to me is really changing the lights, Gab. Um, it's all good. But yeah, I, I like I'm uncomfortable with the amount of money that's in the game. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Man City have paid 100 million pounds for for Jack Grealish. Um, you know, despite the fact that I think he's he's a wonderful player. Um, and I would love to get to a point where you know a Leicester story doesn't happen once every hundred years. You know that it could happen once every five years. Um, obviously, there's going to be no salary cap because if they did that, players would just go to different leagues. But um, yeah, I think what FIFA are trying to do with with the fair play payments is is a good thing, despite the fact that FIFA are probably one of the more corrupt agencies in the world. Um, it's yeah, it, it's 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 something that doesn't sit comfortably with me. Um, but having said that, like you need, as I said, you need much more than money and signings to. To be good, because if you didn't, PSG would have won the last five Champions League, right? Yeah, I I sort of wanted to ask a question because when you when we first started talking to you over text to get you on today, you mentioned that obviously, yeah, you you've loved it for twenty odd years, and then sort of died down when Optus got the rights. But is there a part of you that feels like that money side of the game? has killed your interest a little bit or is it just more of a personal thing to you whether it be busy with work or whatnot? Like, is there a specific reason why it died out other than Optusport getting the rights? Um, yeah, the Optus part was, was fairly big. Um, it just became harder to watch. But I don't know. Like, I'm looking at, at the, the top four that's going to finish this year. It's hard, it's hard to find outside of, you know, the big four or what was the big four, who's going to jump up. And, and, you know, like the AFL has made a lot of mistakes in their growth of the game recently. But one thing that Gillian McLaughlin has done really well is actually sort of created this any team, any time, any day, you know, like upsets could happen at any point. I doesn't really feel like that's as possible in the Premier League as it was maybe in the mid 2000s when, you know, like Everton were a force at Goodison Park and, you know, it was really hard going to Stoke on a Tuesday night and, the you know, the pissing rain and... um I don't know. I just feel like it's a lot harder for these clubs to come in and, and survive. And it's one thing to survive and it's then, and then another thing to actually push for, for trophies. Um, so the, yeah, in answer to your question, I think the money in the game has, has impacted my love for it, but it hasn't killed it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It feels like it's a good point. I feel like there's almost a perpetual cycle that, you know, as soon as a team gets good, they get, um, the players get robbed from them and pilfered because, you know, they yeah. obviously, you know, they're, they're in form and, and they want to go to the best clubs in the world. Like I look at, for example, Aston Villa, when they had their massive run in the, the early well, yeah, early 2010s or late 2000, late, late noughties. And then as soon as, as soon as they, um, you know, finished. So Ash, Ashley Young and Agbon Ag Lahore days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. all those players. And, and, you know, as soon as they reach the peak, then they get pilfered off to other teams because, Yep. Of course, you know, and, and that's, I think it's another sign of money dominating the game, but there's only so much you can control. And I think the UEFA base is so big now that it's too hard to pull, pull back and enforce restrictions because it just changes the landscape of the game. And if they can't, you know, maintain what they have now, then they're going to look at other avenues. And obviously we saw this, the formation or the attempted formation of the Super League and stuff as well. You know, the other other forms of money is so dominated that it's gonna. I don't know. It's quite. I've I've butchered this, but um, I feel <laughs> as if you know, it, it's almost irreversible where it is now. 
No, I know what you're saying. And it, it's like a, a lot of the same stuff's happening in media, right? Is that like quality of content has taken a huge backseat to just clicks, right? So it's just like, we'll just go where the money is. You know, go where the sponsors are paying the most money. Don't worry about, don't, don't worry about, you know, if people are liking the content because they're going to click on the podcast section anyway, right? So it's going to get our clicks up, which means we can sell it to the advertisers. So it's, it's this circle of doom and it's, it's the same. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to fix it with, with world football um, because, you know, like why would Messi come and test himself at another league like the EPL or like, you know, what Ronaldo has done in Italy when he can just go to a bush league like France, play alongside, you know, Neymar and Mbappe and earn his 50 million a year um, that he's owed to by Barcelona. Like what's, <laughs> what's the way of fixing that? I don't know. I, I honestly don't think we can not in the yeah. near future anyway. Um, but yeah, upcoming season. I know Woody and I have had to think about our top six predictions. Do you want to hit us with yours, Sam? First up. Oh, okay. So I wrote them down in my notes. <laughs> um, so I've got Tottenham finishing sixth. I know yeah. they haven't made a lot of changes to their squad, but if they're keeping hold of Kane, I think that's a massive win. And I still think they're going to be fairly hard to beat on a regular basis. So I've got them sixth. I've got Leicester in fifth because they always seem to finish fifth. <laughs> no, but I just think, I think they're just they're like, I think that Brendan Rodgers has got them playing really good football and they're an honest team, right? And I think they're going to be really hard to beat at home. So I've got them finishing fifth. And then my top four is kind of boring. Like I think Sancho helps United. I just don't think they're going to challenge for the league. Um, so I've got them finishing fourth. I think Van Dyke being back to full fitness for Liverpool really helps. And like the top three, you know, could chop a change because if Liverpool go on a run and they get that momentum at Anfield, then, you know, who knows under Klopp. But I've got them third. I have Manchester City in second, (laughs) mainly because of bias and I hate them and I can't think of them winning again. Uh, But no, they've got an incredible squad. I think they've clearly got the deepest squad in the league. Um, But I just think... I think Chelsea under Tuchel found something really special last year. And I just find it unfathomable and it just doesn't get talked about for me that they have, that club has been playing without a striker since Drogba left and they keep being half decent. I have no idea how they won the Champions League last year. And like Kai Havertz was really ordinary for the first three quarters of the season. Um, And so if they get Lukaku, who's like coming off a really big, big um, goal spree in, in Italy, albeit a very different league. But um, I think Chelsea have really good wide players. But the thing you need to complement the wide players is you need someone you can put in the box to. You know, they didn't start Giroud enough, maybe because he's old. Abraham's really raw. Um, Yeah, I just, the really interesting thing for me is for Chelsea is what formation are they going to play? How are they going to fit everyone in? Um, You know, you saw what Ziyech did today in the Super Cup final. Um, I really like him. I don't know how they're going to fit him in the team to start. Um, although back to what I said about, you know, Mourinho's days in the mid-2000s, they rotated the squad amazingly. You know, if it wasn't Drogba up final, it was Kalu and Shevchenko. And if it wasn't, you know, Lampard in central midfield, it was Balak. And you've got to have a really deep squad to challenge like City have. I think it's going to be really close between, between City and Chelsea. But if Lukaku has the same year in the Premier League that he does last year, I think it'll be hard to stop. 
Yeah, no, I, I think, and I've omitted Arsenal because I just yeah. they, that club confuses me so much. They're just a perpetual underperformer. I think it's almost changing the guard though. Like Leicester are almost taking Arsenal spot in the top six. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal cooked anyway. So, uh, man, that's actually probably uh, that's a pretty solid answer. Like, I think the justification yeah, did, did. Is you can get any better. <laughs> we'll see, huh? We'll see. Yeah. What do you do? You want to hit us with yours? Yeah, I actually I'm... go from the top down. Um, right. So I had I have City win the league only because um, I think that I feel as if every time you know a new um, system comes in, it shocks the Premier League. And I look at um, Mourinho, or sorry, Conte playing like a, a three at the back, definitely revolutionised um, the way a few teams play. And I think the way that City is starting to play now, we saw it at the back end of last season, is almost like um, a strikerless formation. And whereas they have for example, maybe five number 10s or five attacking midfielders and they can all sort of rotate through that system. Yeah. And I think now City are probably gearing themselves with the, you know, with the pickup of Grealish um, to to play that way a lot more and change the way potentially the movement is is uh, structured on the pitch. So for me, I have City winning the league only because I, from what I saw back in the last season, you know, they were dominating with this new style of play and I think it's going to take the league by storm. Um, and then I've got United finishing second only because I think, you know, the Ooh. natural progression, the natural progression within the squad is, is quite, um, it's geared for that next step up. I think if you see a fully fit Sancho, Grealish, Greenwood, Cavani, Pogba, you mean, and you, Bruno. Not Grealish, mate. Not Grealish, oh, sorry, mate. Uh, Grealish. Grass, I mean, say Greenwood. Um, you know, that's going to, that's going to essentially, I think it's going to propel them up the ladder. They finished second now. Obviously there's daylight between first. Um, but I think, you know, for them, the second, if they don't finish second, it's not a successful season. I've got Chelsea next. Then I have uh, Leicester finishing fourth. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to disagree with you there, Sammy. I think Leicester are, are definitely in the position where they can push up the table a little bit more and make more of a challenge. And their first half of last season, if they could have maintained that, you know, they, yeah. were, they were poised for a second place finish. Um, <clears throat> fifth, I have uh, Tottenham. Uh, and then sixth, I haven't really decided. I, I was going to go for a smoky, but uh, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Um, so I'll leave sixth at the moment. Um, but Liverpool gonna, outside gonna, the top five. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I no, think, I like it. It's bold, I think, and I hate Liverpool, so it's great. <laughs> we hate Liverpool, mate. Well, I think <laughs> we had Daniel Garber for the Liverpool celebration party. And that was oh, one of the most yeah. painful podcast episodes. I Why would you do done. that? Why it's that? No, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> we needed some good perspective, and it was the best perspective we could get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, Damo, have you got a top six? Yeah, my top six. Um, I have Man City winning the league as well. I think it's just too hard to not pick them. Um, similar reasons for you, Woody. I think they look real good, and Grealish only makes them better. Uh, I have. I have Chelsea second, uh, but I honestly think that Chelsea will be the best team in the second half of the year again. But I think from what I've seen, what I saw this morning in the Super Cup, didn't look that good. Um, I know it's just the Super Cup, but I just think that, I don't know, it'll take a little bit for Chelsea to get their act together again, um, similar to the last season, really. And they've actually made a habit of iffy starts. So I think they'll go again, but be the best team in the second half of the season. Third, I have United and... I only have United in third just because of 
yeah, the signings, you can't sort of look past it. And when they finish second and their squad's only better, it's a bit harsh to drop them any further than that. Liverpool, I still have question marks about only because I have them in fourth, but Van Dyke coming back straight away. Look, I fully expect him to be the, one of the top centre backs in the world again pretty soon. But I, it's just hard to to lock in Liverpool any higher than fourth at this stage. Although I feel like that'll probably come back to bite me. Uh, <laughs> Tot- Tottenham, I have fifth. Um, sorry, Arsenal, I have fifth, not Tottenham. Arsenal, I have fifth only because I think the way Arteta's setting them up, it's sort of the template for these poor teams to come up. So defensively, they're actually not that bad. They just can't score. And so I think once they open up a little bit, you'll see them move up the table slightly. And I think they can still fifth and Leicester in sixth. So Tottenham drop out of the six for me. I think um, they, I mean, their signings have been less than impressive and yeah, just overall, I think the Tottenham uh, era of finishing top four has taken a halt a little bit and it'll take a, if, I don't think it'll be a one season thing. I think it'll take two or three seasons for them to enter the top four, even six again. Mm. So yeah, I think that's one. one of the things that uh, sort of spared me to leave Liverpool out of my top four is that I think the natural decline of Salah, uh, Firmino and Mane is maybe under addressed in the media. I, I look at like, for example, last season, they just didn't click at all. Maybe it was because they didn't have the dynamism of the midfield that they had in previous years due to injuries. But I think, you know, if they can't click, it's almost a linchpin for them in their season. Um, it, Again, like we saw last season, they almost capitulated because the front three just just weren't working and they weren't getting the service. I don't know if they've addressed that in their signings um, as well. So I think you know they could be really almost left in the dust for the first half of the season if they don't, especially if they don't address it in January as well. Then I think you know maybe they're pulling the wool over a lot of people, a lot of people's eyes about how good they are right now. Um, so, yeah, that, that just probably comes back to your point, Sammy, that you're maybe a little bit surprised that I left Liverpool out of my top four. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's a good uh, argument. It's fair. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully it provides a little bit of justification. All right. So, we've touched on it quite a bit uh, earlier on in the podcast and even throughout. But sort of just wanted to really dissect um, your views, firstly, on, say, what it is to be a journalist in 2021 and then sort of compare that to the scene over in Europe, because I'll just sort of give you an example here. Obviously there's been a lot of talk in the AFL recently about say Alistair Clarkson and that sort of thing. I know you had a big role to play in that. And then there's obviously player movements that are going to happen in the coming months once the season ends. But I feel like the AFL from my perspective, at least, even though the journalists such as yourself can be criticized at times, the standard is still reasonably high until you can, when you compare it, to other places in the world, because I bet if you look up Messi leaving Barcelona, there's probably an article on every single transfer window for the last decade. And like, how many times do you want to get it wrong? Does that sort of make sense? I feel like there's not as much of that in the AFL. Just wondering your thoughts. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the British tabloids, oh, oh, I can widen that. Like the European tabloids, they just print anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do it so unashamedly, right? And it's just like, well, if it's, if there's an element of maybe truth to it, just, do it and right, like if it right, doesn't yeah. happen there's no responsibility but like also i feel like and we may be heading this way with the afl but i also feel like there's just much more transfer innuendo in european football and like ease of movement you know so much more prevalent so 
yeah, I don't know. I think there's more talk of like club loyalty here and contracts mean more in AFL than they do. I mean, like what's a contract worth in European football? Absolutely nothing. You know, like yeah. tear it up and start again. Um, it's more about the, the amount that you pay. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like, and I know that people are critical of, of some of the mysteries that come out in our media. And I think that, you know, we're all as an industry working on being better in that space, but I think we hold ourselves to a fairly high account. I think one of the interesting things, and you sort of mentioned it a little bit on um, Dylan friends, I was doing a bit of research uh, a couple of nights ago. Um, the introduction of, I guess, sort of clickbait media um, and how that sort of creeped into the game. Cause you know, like just expanding what you just said, you know, in the European side of it, it's purely clickbait. And like some of the stuff they report is just mm. absolutely trash. And it almost feels like here in Australia, it's, 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 more of a bubble because it's so enclosed within the country in the AFL sport that maybe you don't get that as much, but there's definitely a lot of it creeping into, I guess, the Australian media landscape right now. Yeah. And I think, and this is a conversation I have with my friends. I think you've just got to be more selective with, with who and what you read and listen to, you know, I think it's incumbent. I'm not saying it's, it's the listener's responsibility. I think ultimately the media hold, hold the cards with that, but, I think you've got to be much more selective with who you want to listen to. You know, like I only read the Telegraph in London, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a subscription online. I read it every day. If something decent is happening, they will tell me. I'm not going to read The Sun. I'm not going to read Goal.com. I'm not going to read The Guardian like I used to do when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, I used to believe everything that I read. Um, because, yeah, it's getting worse. And so I think that and, – and maybe I mentioned this um, – you know, on, on previous podcasts, but I think that we're going to get to a point where, where the people power just goes, well, no, I don't want this. You know, like, I don't want this rubbish. I'm going to go listen to this, you know, where they give me facts and they give me insight and they give me analysis. And yeah. So I've been for the last three years, I've been telling what I read, what I listen to, what I digest via podcasts, um, who I follow on Twitter you know, I think that we can take back a little bit of power and, you know, maybe that'll happen in European football as well. It's just a little bit harder because we're dealing with so many more people, you know, and we're dealing with, with tens of countries, not one. Are you, are you familiar with uh, Fabrizio over in Europe, Sam? Yeah. 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 Here we go. I think he's probably a great example of someone who's uh, sort of broken out of that mold over there. And, and even if say every single media outlet that you can think of has run with, I don't know, Sancho going to Man United. No one actually can, puts their hand on their heart and say, yeah, it's going to happen until Fabrizio says, all right, yes, he says, here we go. But generally speaking, and if he hasn't said anything on it, it's not even close to advanced. And so he has that like incredible trust with his followers now because he's not yeah. about being first. And and I think that's incredibly unique. And you, I mean, he's done a very good job of publicizing himself. So at this stage, I'm pro- he's probably the only person I can say, yeah, when I read something from his, I know it's 100% factual. And so that puts him above any journal I can think of in Europe. And, yep. and, and because that's, but I, when I compare that back to Australia, I'd probably say like someone like yourself, Tom Morris, uh, Mitch Cleary. I mean, I've just named people that have come on the nightclub as well by no coincidence, but <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of guys like yourselves. We take what you say, like, it's more or less done, whether it be a contract. Yeah. Like we, we believe you and there's, it's a smaller market, but there's a higher rate of that in Australia, which I find incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we've all got to get to is that we've got to get to a point where you, 
like, you know, for instance, for me, it's probably Jake Nile, like who I work with at the age. Like I know when I read something from him that every single word is fact and, you know, mm-hmm. well-researched. And I think we've, you know, you just mentioned um, three of us there that are all a similar age. That's what we're all striving for is to get to that point. And, you know, it requires some discipline, but it also requires picking the right workplace to work at. You know, you don't want somewhere where it's like, well, I need 600 words by 5 p.m. I don't care what it is. You just need 600 words because there are there are bosses, there are editors out there that do that, you know? And that's why we have so much speculation. We have so much rubbish that gets reported because it's like, well, I asked for something. I had to give them something, you know? So um, I think we've just... I think we're getting better. Um, and like, yeah, Fabrizio in, in Europe is such a good example because when there's all this rumor in the end, you just go to his Twitter profile and be like, well, I'll just wait for him. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, that's a pretty good reputation to have. You feel like it almost runs part and parcel with the, I guess the quality of contacts that you make in the industry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's it. That, that's the whole thing. Really. It's the whole ball game is you're only as good as your contacts mm-hmm. and you know, some, over the course will lie to you and it changes your perspective on them. And then other ones, you know, are rock solid. And then, you know, every journal has one, one or two sources that, that are not at a club or they're not at the AFL or they're not a player that just know stuff, right. And they're rock solid and they bat at an average of a hundred. So it's like, you know, everyone has, <laughs> has a couple of those, but even then, you know, like you got to check because I feel like you could get a hundred stories, right. And the second you get one wrong, it's like, well, hang on. You know, you told me that Alistair Clarkson was leaving and now he's staying. So mm. the next time you say something, I'm not going to believe you. And that's fair enough, you know, like, and that's, that's why we all have to work as hard as we can to be as right as we can, as often as we can. Do you feel as if, uh, like, I just, something that's always intrigued me and i guess we've never actually asked any of the um i, I guess reporters or, or media um people that we've had on the podcast before like when it comes to making these contact relationships to what level do you like do you go or to what extent do you go to keep them alive like obviously they feel like they can fizzle out and stuff but like do you have yeah. to race up a contact like i mean that's such a sleazy <laughs> thing to say but, like, you know, to what extent do you go to keep that relationship alive? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's most of the job. Um, Jake always has a saying that if you have a source that you only ring for a story, then he's not a source. You know, like, you can't, can't be ringing someone up being like, what do you got for me? That's not how it works. Yeah. So the way we gather stories, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't ask other journalists because it's sort of like, it's like the secret source, right? You can't ask someone. But it's... it's um. It would chop and change depending like, yeah. If I told you guys where I got the last five stories that I wrote, you'd probably be like, Whoa, what really? You know, or you might not be surprised and it would change with different, with different journos. So um, yeah. And that's, and that's why a lot of us stand by our stories so rigorously sometimes because the quality of the source is so good. And if you see anyone back away from a story a day or so after reporting it, then you know that, they went with it without really checking. Um, and sometimes, sometimes backing out of a story is as bad as getting, as getting it wrong because you're kind of admitting defeat before it happens. A final one on the, on the media, and this is a pretty easy one to answer. We've, we spoke about it early on about um, the AFL industry being oversaturated with NBA fans and, and whatnot. 
I mean, we, we talk about this pretty much every time we have an AFL person on, but I think we've already asked like Errol Goulden, who we've had on from the Swans, to in his post-match interviews, just like mention the Premier League or something. He's a massive Liverpool fan, if you, if you didn't know. So I like, just sort of get the exposure out there. But in, in your workplaces, have you had that opportunity to talk a lot about soccer? And you even said on the Dylan Friends podcast that when you were younger, you used to like get the newspapers out and, and read them back to front and read the back of the sports section and stuff. Um, do people do that? inside your workplace and talk about soccer at all? At all? No, nah, I think it's a little bit more of a niche following for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, I, I can't remember the last time I was actually in an office with a full, full amount That's of people. Um, but yeah, I try to bring it up on air as much as I can. Um, we have like a podcast hour that goes to regional hours. And like we did a, um, we interviewed a, a CBS um, affiliate, Jonathan Johnson, I think his name is, which is an awesome name for a reporter. Um, in Paris for the reaction to the messy stuff. And like Jared, who I, Jared Healy, who I do my show with, um, he sort of has a, pokes a bit of fun at me that like anytime I start bringing up world football, he just yawns and be like, okay, I'll go to sleep now. You know, like I just don't care because he didn't grow up with it. And so he doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't care as, as much and he doesn't know enough about it. But then when we started talking about like, I'm explaining it, I'm like, well, you know, Jared, this guy might go down as the greatest of all time, even though I don't think he is. Um, and he's <laughs> leaving Barcelona to go to PSG and you know the Spanish leagues are awesome and the French leagues are bush league but they're owned by the car <laughs> and they want to win the like and so and so he suddenly started getting interested you know like and the, the rock star arrival so yeah I try to bring it up to people as much as I can I just my group of friends like my really close group knit of mates there's about 10 or 12 of us none of them not one uh, soccer fans there'd be like really? six or seven that are nba fans one or two are into nfl and then like <laughs> this ongoing joke in my group that like i just i get really bored talking about footy with them because it's sort of like that escapism thing it's like i'll come home and then the whatsapp's lighting up and it's like what about what jake stringer did in the senate square in the third quarter it's like yeah no, no. <laughs> but like i've spent the last two hours talking about it you know so like i'm yeah i've just like emptied the tank and so I just have no more fuel left. So, um, yeah, I don't get to... I used to listen to... Um, it's funny, but talking about podcasts. When I was 14, so what's that? 2005. This is like before... Or it's like early days of the iPhone. Like, like not many people had it. And I had an iPad mini. Or no, a, a Nano, which was pretty oh, cool yeah. back in the day. That, that was yeah. sick. And yeah. And the but podcasts weren't really a thing. But my friend... Ben at Xavier at the school I went to, he, who I don't, um, I haven't seen in ages, massive Arsenal fan, God bless him. He put me onto this um, podcast called World Soccer Daily with these two guys. One was a Chelsea fan. One was a Liverpool fan. Two English guys living in California. And it was like when the MLS was just starting to take off. And I think Beckham was playing for the Galaxy or it was around that time. And they did this weekly podcast called World Soccer Daily. It went for like two hours. And they'd read out emails and questions. They'd talk about and analyze games. And like my first job was washing cars. And so I used to just go to this guy's place and wash cars and I'd listen to the podcast. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this podcast thing, it's never going to take off. You know, like, it just doesn't. <laughs> it's like literally everything. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how we got onto that. But that, that's, I just remember, like, talking about world football with people at school, you know, like, when it was kind of a privilege to be able to go home and watch something around the world on your screen. Now you can get anything you want at any time. So it's just, yeah. it's lost a bit of its gravitas with the younger generation, like you guys. Mate, we're not that young. 
Like, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> how old? Are, how old are you? And who do you both barrack for? We need to say this before you before the end. Yeah, um, uh, we're both twenty four. Like, yeah, no, I'm twenty four. You're twenty three. I'm twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah twenty four in about three weeks. And we're both Man United fans. If you didn't oh, pick that yeah. up. <laughs> And to why that was second, mate. I didn't want to say it, but... <laughs> Unbelievable. Now I know. Now I know. And we're actually both Trinity boys, so we're literally like around the corner from you. So Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So what, you guys You guys both started barracking for United, what, like November 99 or somewhere around oh. there? <laughs> I'm Man. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I reckon you tell anyway. me, you probably would have been a Chelsea supporter straight after they Abramovich bought the club. I'm, I just told you about Dennis Wise was my favourite player. <laughs> what proof do I need? I will, t- I will tell you a story before I go. Is that yeah. um, and I think if you if you scroll all the way down my Instagram, it's it's one of the first posts. I think when I was uh, travelling around the world in Europe, unbelievable that that seems so far away to do again um, with my three or four best mates, and we were doing sail Croatia. We were sailing past this classic this yacht. And everyone's like, whoa, have a look at that thing. And I was like, I turned around and like, I couldn't speak. I was like, that's, that's Roman Abramovich's yacht. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, don't ask me how I know this. That's his yacht. And like, that's not a yacht, it's a ship. Like, and it was like five times bigger than the thing that was carrying like 30 of us on this sail Croatia boat. <laughs> and anyway, they, um, they stopped at this little tiny island near Var. I forget what the name of the island is. Literally, you can only like cycle around it. There's like one cafe. And he was there with his bodyguards and I got on a bike and I was like, I've got to meet him. Like I'm, I, I just have to meet him. You know, like you don't understand Like this guy owns like 70% of Russia's oil and he owns the football club that I love. Like I have to meet him. Anyway, I didn't get close to him. Like, I think if we'd been oh. within like 300 meters would have been shot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. And I always think about that. Um, being on the same Island as Roman Abramovich with about five other people. That's elite. That's awesome. Elite. That's um, so good. Damo, I reckon we'll skip the social media questions. Um, uh-huh. or you pretty much answered them all anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and we'll get into some quick questions because I know, Sam, you're a busy man, so we don't want to keep you for too long. No, no, um, that's fine. <laughs> um, well, this, is, this is a segment that all of our, like, we get asked about a lot, like, and most of our social media questions come from this. And it sort of gives us a little bit of insight into more about how you follow the Premier League and, and so, like what you sort of value in the Premier League as well. So first one, pretty stando. Can you give us your Premier League five-a-side team? And it has to be a goalkeeper. Definitely not Kepa. Um, no, that's me. Um, probably Mendy in goal, given his year last year. Is this Premier League? Yep. 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 Mm. Oh, it just be the PSG team. <laughs> that's pretty much true um i think i'd have i'd have a fully fit van dyke i'd have salah even though he's i know he's been off but he's still such a jet oh i wish i could have hazard but he's just gone and he's no good anymore um i don't know if i'd have anyone from chelsea to be honest actually actually Werner would be good because he's quick so I'll have I'll throw him in there. Um, Sancho, and I think that's five. 
Is that five? No, it's yeah, I think that is. Think Sancho, Werner, Van Dyke, Sulla, and Mendy. Done. That's five. Cool. I've definitely missed right. too many players. <laughs> Next up, if you could have dinner with one Premier League player, who would it be? Why and what would you talk about with him? Oh, that's so interesting. I, I, okay, I just really want to meet Mo Salah, right? Mainly because, like, why did you leave Chelsea? Or, like, why did we let you go? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I just really want to know what it's like being a football star in a country like Egypt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not as though they're, they're as run-of-the-mill as England or France or Germany or Spain, right? And, you know, like, the story about when Egypt had their... um had their elections this is years ago and two million egyptians crossed out every name on the ballot sheet and wrote mo salah so i just can't like i'm just interested in his journey as a star of of football that comes from a country that doesn't usually make them yeah. i think that's interesting yeah i think he's definitely got one of the more interesting stories um in terms of rise of fame like he's up there with, with yeah definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, he was the biggest player. He's the most, almost the most famous player on the planet when Liverpool were going on that run and he was scoring for fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he was... The bloke was made of gold. Like, everything he touched was just... Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, who, I don't know. This is touch and go, so you can, you can feel free to pass uh, this one. Um, <laughs> who is the most famous person in your contact list? Phone contact list. <laughs> Like we've had some interesting, we've actually deceptively interesting uh, answers before. Um, I'm going to give you an answer, but let me come back to it because I want to do a quick scroll. Okay. All right, cool. And um, yeah, just one quick, quick last one. Which AFL player do you think would suit best in the Premier League, and vice versa? Which Premier League star would do well in the AFL? <laughs> um, oh, jeez. It always confused me when Sean Hampson said that he came from a soccer background. Like he was so big and gangly and like, but he was a striker. It really confused me. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a bad answer. Um, who, which footballer would be big in? All right. I think that Bontempelli would be good in the Premier League because he just like, he just glides. Yeah. And I think he'd be strong over the ball. And I, I just reckon he'd, he'd have good skills. I don't know. And the player that I would put, from the Premier League into the AFL would be. Um, I really would like to see Kurt Zuma play full forward for someone and just like, push <laughs> one aside and be like, piss off, I'm marking this. And then watching him kick for goal would be funny. So I'm saying Kurt Zuma. <laughs> and yeah, so, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that's all we've got. So have you got an answer for the uh, famous phone contacts? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I, well I just feel like anyone famous that I've got in my phone contact list is going to be believable footy related like, should, yeah oh, okay yeah so um, it's probably at this stage Joe Hockey former former yep. treasurer of the country which is a really boring answer as much as I love you Joe um It's a tough one because there's like there's no scale for like how famous someone is. Yeah. It's sort of perspective. 
Yeah. I'm just trying to think of people that I've met overseas that would be interestingly famous. But Abramovich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that like, I mean, could have been. Yeah, me and Roman WhatsApp all the time. And I just, <laughs> yeah, I tell him what the starting lineup should be. Um, you know what's going to happen is I'm going to get off this call and I'm going to find an amazing um, number and I'm not going to be able to, and then I'm going to text you and be like, this is the person. It's probably, it's probably Joe Hockey. That's just such an awful answer. There's got to be someone better than that. Uh, well, I think we're happy to take it. Damon, what's the most what's good. the most interesting one we've had? It was probably James Dodd. Uh, yeah, James Dodd from Fox Sports. He said that um, he used to interview like Brendan Rogers and Arsene Wenger back when he was oh. recording in the UK, and he still had their numbers. Like he, the club would just be like, "Yeah, here's Wenger's phone number if you ever want to like call him." And, See, that's, and that's so still- good. That's so good. <laughs> why, don't, why don't I have anyone like that? Oh, I reckon <laughs> the biggest flex we ever had. We had we had Mark Bosnich on last season, and he, oh, this would be good. He'd have like everyone's mate. He actually pulled his trap card out, and he's like, "They're too famous. They would not allow me to say this on air." <laughs> yeah, like, but he had their number. Yeah, yeah. So he he gave he gave us a donut, but that was probably one. Of, like I don't know, he, he would have some crazy numbers in his uh in his phone contact that bloke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, D- Dave Hughes. There you go. Oh, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah, but you love you love Dave Hughes. <laughs> I don't know where this stigma's come. Well, not even stigma, just a just a it's story. True, stigma. It's come from it's no- a Hughesy stigma. It's it's not a stigma, but <laughs> anyway, this is a good good chance to wrap it up because I think we started to lose the plot. Dev, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, would you know? I'll just quickly wrap up the socials now, like we usually do. Tell everyone to subscribe and follow wherever they're listening or watching, and then we will just hit you up with a like point at you through the screen and ask you to just say goodbye to everybody if that's all good no worries cool woody if they want to hit us up on the socials where can they find us guys you can find us on insta at premier league nightclub if you search us up on tiktok as well we're there at premier league nightclub and damon where can you find us everywhere else you can find us on twitter at pl nightclub make sure to jump on the uh, twitter or instagram and find the fpl code fpl starts up this weekend so make sure to get your team sorted and join the league of course Spotify, iTunes, follow, subscribe, rate, YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. It really helps us out. Go look through some past guests, which we've had on. Sam, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. We love talking to you about Chelsea and all things journalism and media. And until next time, thank you very much. Hey, boys, it's an absolute pleasure. I'll click follow here. Yes. Yes, love that.